Well, I, I just got inside of my car. It was morning. It was pretty cold. And what I noticed is this is the time of year where sometimes when you wake up, mysteriously, some days you just have a bunch of frost on your windshield. And this was one of those days. But it wasn't too bad, even though some of it had kind of turned to ice a little bit. And I wasn't exactly prepared for it yet. I wasn't ready for that the ice frost season yet. Uh, but it wasn't that bad. So I went ahead and just got in the car and said, I'm just going to go ahead and, and go with it. I can see fine. Uh, until I got down the street and my heater started acting up and blowing directly on the window and causing frost to fully cover the window that then immediately iced. And I thought, no problem. Um, I will use my washer fluid and see if I can get this stuff out of here. So I hit the button. The washer fluid doesn't even show up. I don't even know if, I, if it was frozen. I don't know what happened. Um, but I thought, no problem. Um, I will use my windshield wipers. So I hit the button and had just gotten work done a couple days before on my windshield. Got a brand new windshield, brand new windshield wipers. I turn on my windshield wipers and one of them breaks off and flies off. And I thought, okay, this is a problem. <laughs> Nothing that I'm doing here is really working. I was in a hurry. I needed to get to the place that I needed to go. And fortunately, I was able to see enough through the window where it was okay, but my view was blocked. I couldn't see out of the window, window with clarity. And like that, we've been created to look outside of ourselves to find our identity and our purpose, but a lot of times what you'll notice is like me in that car with my view blocked, we'll have this view blocked to looking outside of ourselves, and instead we end up looking inside of ourselves. And our culture uh, seems to want to confirm this and tell us, yeah, look inside of yourself and find your identity and your purpose there. Now, I, this is something that I've constantly struggled with. For example, I want to look at my performance. I want to look at, am I doing a good enough job? Uh, maybe then I have identity and purpose in life. Or I might want to look at how well I am impressing other people. Then maybe I can have purpose and identity. Or I might want to look at my accomplishments. If I'm accomplishing my goals, then I have identity and I have purpose. Or I might want to look at comfort. If my life is, if I can just get everything fixed in my life and my life is just enjoyable and comfortable, my relationships are good, then I can find my identity and my purpose in that. But if you're like me, you know what happens. At some point, every single one of those things will fail you. It fails me. And then what happens is we find ourselves in the situation where we feel hopeless. We feel like the thing that I was finding my identity in, my purpose in, has totally failed me. Now, you may not realize it, but I would guess that you probably do this too, just like me. You might define yourself by how successful you are at work or at a hobby. You may define yourself by how good of a parent or a grandparent or a brother or sister you are. You may define yourself by how financially secure you are or how nice your home, your car, your clothes are, how healthy you are, how well your sports team is doing, terrible idea. Um, or you might define yourself 
by the approval of the people that you love and care about. And the problem with these things, they're not all bad, obviously, uh, but the problem with these things is the moment that they stop going well, we feel like a failure, or we feel like they have failed us, or we feel hopeless in some sense, because our identity and our purpose in life is failing. <laughs> but I would argue that the problem is, is not those things. The problem is that we are looking for our identity and our purpose in the wrong place. We are looking inside of ourselves and the things that uh, people and accomplishments and those types of things can give us instead of looking outside of ourselves. And as long as we look inside of ourselves for identity and purpose, we will see a tarnished reflection of ourselves. And sadly, we will give a, off a tarnished reflection of God. We won't really see who we are with clarity. And we won't be able to live and experience our identity and our purpose with clarity. So today we're going to go all the way back to the beginning of everything, except God, when he created the universe. And instead of looking inside of ourselves like we want to do on a daily basis, we're going to look outside of ourselves and see what God says to us about our identity and our purpose. So read with me in Genesis 1, uh, verse 26. And God says to us today through Moses. Then God said, let us make man in our image. And, and women. He's talking about mankind here. After our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every, every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. You were made with meaning. You were prepared for a purpose. You were created for a cause. And today we will see what that cause, what that purpose, what that meaning is. We'll see that you were made to reflect and you were made to rule. So first, you were made to reflect. Now like a mirror reflects an image, you and I were meant to reflect an image. That's what, that's what Moses is telling us here. Look in verse 26. God said, let us make man in our image. In our image. After our likeness. You are made to reflect God's image. And so here, God creates everything in the universe. But he says it's incomplete. 
He says, I need to make people who are more like me than anything else that I've created. Animals, angels, mountains, oceans. All of these things are incredible things that he created. But he says, I need to create something that actually in a very special and particular way reflects my image. And so what does he do? He creates humans, creates people, and says, only people are image bearers. Only people reflect my image in a specific way. It's like a son who looks like his dad or a daughter who looks like her mom. We reflect the image of our God. And that is true for every single one of us. The king of the universe is saying today, you are unique. There's no one else like you on this planet. I created you with a very specific purpose in a special way in order to bring a reflection of myself. The king of the universe is creating a reflection of himself in you. Now, most of us have something about ourselves that we wish we could change. I remember when I was playing basketball, it would have been nice to be seven feet tall. Um, We all have things like this that we wish we could change. We look at something that somebody else has, and we think, I wish I was more like that. But what God is telling us here today is he did something special in you. There is a reason that you don't have someone else's personality or abilities or body or whatever it is that you look or attempted to look at yourself and look at others and say, I wish I had that thing. I wish that was it. Why? It's because he has created you in a specific way to bring him a reflection, to reflect his image. And that even includes our genders. You were made to reflect God's image with a specific gender. Now, if you look at verse 27, that's where I'm getting this. It says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now, this, this book was written thousands of years ago. This verse that we're just reading here was written thousands of years ago. And what's interesting is how relevant it still is today. But what's really interesting is if you pay close attention to that one sentence, that one sentence really presses on our culture here today in many different ways. Why? Um, Well, for one thing, it's saying there are two different genders. That is a specific way it is challenging our culture. It says male and female are the genders that God created And notice it doesn't say, figure out what you are. That's another way it is pressing on us. But another thing that sometimes we will hear uh, in our culture is, women are awesome, but those men, you got to watch out for them, right? Or, Or the opposite, right? We see men are awesome, but those women, you got to watch out for them. And, and what we are seeing here is it's pressing on our culture in that specific way, too. God is saying both men and women are created valuable, are created as reflections of my image, are created as image bearers of God himself. That is an amazing, amazing thing. And amazingly, it challenges our culture in all of these different ways. 
Now, it's, it, it kind of is common sense as well. I mean, we can still see the way that this is being fleshed out in our day-to-day uh, life and culture. Now, if, if you've ever been told that you are less important because you are a woman, for example, look at what God says here. He says, that is not true. It is not true. He says, I made you that way on purpose for a reason. And if you've ever been told that you're less important because you are a man, look at what he says here. He says, that is not true. He says, I made you that way on purpose. I gave you this specific gender as a reflection of my own image. That is, that is an incredible, valuable thing that God is doing here. And that's because you were made to reflect him. Now, my kids are really good at a lot of things, but I've noticed that keeping the mirror clean while they're brushing their teeth is not one of them. Um, there are times that after the assembly line of all four of them come through the bathroom to brush their teeth, I look at the mirror and I just wonder if somebody is shooting the mirror with a, a, a water gun full of toothpaste. I mean, there's just toothpaste all over the place. And I'm looking at the mirror thinking, I can't even see myself in this mirror anymore. Like, I'm going to have to do something about this so that I can even use the mirror. And maybe that is what God is saying to you here today. Maybe he's saying, I want to clean your mirror. Maybe he's saying, you've been telling yourself, if you just change some things about yourself, then somebody will approve of you or like you. Or if I can just change some things about myself, then maybe I will find identity and find purpose. Maybe if I could change my personality or my looks or my talents or my accomplishments or my family or my life situation or whatever that thing is. But what God is saying here is you have been created specifically for the purpose of bringing a reflection of God, reflecting his image. He made you the way that you are made exactly because he wanted to. And that's true for everybody on the planet. And that is part of the reason why it is such a bad thing when our mouths begin to say things that are really badly about other people. And we say that, that, is, that what we're doing right here is we're talking badly about another image bearer of God. Or when our eyes lust after another person, we're doing that to an image bearer of God. Or when we uh, lie to somebody, we are doing that to an image bearer of God. Or when we are bitter towards somebody and don't want to forgive them, we're doing that to an image bearer of God. You were made with a purpose, and that purpose is to reflect God's image. But also, second, you were made to rule. Now, I know that that sounds weird. And, you may, and especially in our modern uh, culture, you may think, I don't even understand what you're saying by you're made to rule. I'm not, I don't lead anything. In these verses, he uses the words dominion and subdue. Now, those words are kind of kingdom-like language. The word dominion, it has kingdom-like sound to it. Um, subdue, as well, is taking control of something, and, and kind of forming it. So what, what, is, what is he getting at here? What he's getting at is God the king has created us to be ambassadors of his kingdom to go out and to manage his creation. 
We alone, not animals, not any other type of creation, but ourselves, have been given this commission to rule, to go out and to fill up his kingdom and to develop it and to use it and to build cities and to build culture and all of these different things. We've been given this this commission to rule. In other words, it's a leadership role in God's creation. So after God creates everything, he says, these image bearers of mine that I've created, those are the ones who will lead this planet. They will rule. How do we rule? Well, he says we rule the animals first. Look in verse 26. He says, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. In verse 28, he says it again, something kind of similar. God tells people to have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. What is he saying here? He's saying we've been given world dominion. That sounds crazy. That sounds wild. It's hard to even know how do we apply that. What does that mean? This is a serious and a huge responsibility. God, the king, is saying, go. Go as my ambassadors and make my rule extend throughout all the earth. Now, it it helps a little bit to understand in this time period a few thousand years ago that when kings would, would want to extend their rule, they would set up images of themselves all throughout the land. And what you think is that is... Amazingly, exactly what God is doing here. He's created a bunch of image bearers. He's sending them all throughout his world. And he's saying, I, I own this world. I rule this world. And this is my extension of my authority. And I want you to be a part of it. I want you to be a part of it. So what he's saying is, take good care of the earth and the animals. Develop it. Use it. Rule over it. Now notice that It doesn't just stop there. Um, He also says we rule by building families. If that doesn't bring uh, incredible clarity and a sense of purpose into what you do in family, I don't know what would. In verse 28, God says, be fruitful and multiply. Now, what is he saying here? He's saying that part of our identity, part of our purpose is to build kingdom-focused Families that multiply all throughout the earth, filling up God's kingdom. Now, this doesn't mean, we've had a lot of things that have happened since this. We live in a fallen, broken world. This doesn't mean that God necessarily has the gift of marriage or family for everybody. We know there is a gift of singleness as well. Both are gifts. We also, this doesn't mean that God is heaping condemnation on those of us who have had any fertility issues or anything like that. That's not what he's getting at here. What he's getting at is one aspect of ruling in the creation that God has given us is to multiply, to build families that are kingdom-focused and to do that all throughout the earth. And you see, what has happened over the last many thousand years is that is exactly what has taken place, which is amazing. But he doesn't stop there. We also rule by building cities and culture. Now, you may, ne- you may have never heard that before. I, there was a little bit of a, 
uh, surprise to me as I'm studying this. And in verse 28, he says, fill the earth, but he doesn't stop there. He says, and subdue it. And subdue it. In other words, there's something, just having families all throughout the earth, it, it, it doesn't stop there. There's a subduing of the earth as well. There's a developing of the earth. There's a building of cities and work is a good thing. So what does that mean? That means architecture, business, teaching, government, engineering, science, art, technology, writing, music, movies, all of these different aspects of the way that we have used creativity and applied the things that we are learning are really building up cities and culture, and there's countless other ways we're doing this as well. And the reason this is important is I know you may feel like sometimes, as I have, that what you do is meaningless or mundane. Going into work day after day and trying to deal with problems. (laughs) It can feel like work is completely irrelevant to God and to what the, the purpose and the mission that he has for this universe. And what, what I want us to see here is it's not, it's not irrelevant. God doesn't have this uh, divorced universe where we have compartmentalized sections of our lives. Work is something that he created. Work is something that he created, and it is an aspect of how we are ruling, subduing, and developing the earth, just like God said. So if you are in sales, if you are a stay-at-home mom, if you're a business person, if you're a musician, if you're retired, whatever it is, the situation that you are in, whatever you do as a person who reflects God's image, do that thing creatively with excellence, knowing that you are an image bearer for God himself. God is creative. You are being creative. God worked. You are working. God rested. You are resting. We we are created in a way to reflect that image of God and in a way that the animals don't do. So we rule by building cities and culture as well. But God also says, and I know you're going to love this one as much as I did, that we also rule by making food. Making food. Yes, making food. Look in verse 29. God says, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit, you shall have them for food. God is a good and a kind creator and king who created us not only with a reflection of himself, not only with a purpose that goes in a lot of different directions, but here even gave us taste buds and the materials to create food so that we can eat food. That is an incredible, uh, intricate, um, specific purpose that God has created. And to me, taste buds in themselves are an incredible argument for the existence of God. I mean, how in the world does this happen accidentally? It doesn't. Now, notice here that he just talks about uh, uh, somebody being a vegetarian, (laughs) fruits and vegetables. But what happens is 
just a few chapters later, after the flood of, uh, that Noah was involved with in Genesis 9, he says this. He says, every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And as I gave you the green plants, I give you everything. So he opens it up wider where he says, and this is even from the beginning book of the Bible, that plants are for food, even animals are for food. So we rule in God's creation by making food. You are made to rule. Now, just because God has made us this way and made us to have this management kind of function in his creation doesn't mean that we are the final rulers of this universe or this world. God is still the creator and the owner, and we are his managers. Tony Evans has said it this way, when we buy a home, the bank actually owns the home. But we pay the bank each month, and we are the ones that end up maintaining it. And hopefully, Lord willing, someday we own it, right, when we pay it off. But the interesting thing here, and what, he's, what he was getting at, is the bank is the owner, we are the manager. And that is what God is getting at here. God is the owner of this world. He is the ultimate ruler. He is the king. But he has given us a special role to be managers of his own creation. It's an incredible kindness of God. If you think about it, he didn't have to do that. He didn't need to do that. He just wanted to do that. He wanted to include us in this plan that he has. It's incredible. We were made to rule. And God has given us a great responsibility here. If you're like me, you, you may be kind of excited by how what the Bible is saying here relates to all aspects and compartments of my life. And at the same time, we can be challenged a little bit because we think, am I doing this well? Am I ruling well? Am I managing my time well? My resources well? My marriage well? My family well? My work well? Even my rest and recreation? Am I managing those things well? And if you're like me, you can even end up feeling like, yeah, there's some stuff to improve on there. <laughs> there's, there's some stuff in there that I need to do. But can you imagine what our city, what our state, what our country and our world even would be like if we lived this way? That would be an incredible, incredible testimony for the change in our life that comes through Jesus. If we lived out of this purpose that God has given us, Instead of trying to find our identity in all of the different things that we try to find our identity in and our purpose in. God says that he made you with a purpose. And that purpose is to reflect him and to rule his creation. And at the end, if you notice in verse 31, God sits back and he looks at it all. And he says, what I made here is very good. That this is good. I did a good thing here. But what's sad is only a few chapters on from this, what you find is the people that God created to reflect himself disobeyed him. The people that God created to reflect himself chose to do some things that God directly said, don't do that. 
And, and Satan was a part of this as well, as he's trying to deceive and even twist the story. When you think God, God puts them in this incredibly perfect place with all of the lush uh, environment and food and all of these types of things. There's no suffering. There's no pain. There's no sickness. He says, eat of anything you want except the one, just the one. That's not unjust. That's a very nice thing to do. And yet Satan comes and he starts turning that story and he says the exact opposite. He says, actually, is God good that he tells you not to eat from that one tree? How how Satan totally took the same true information and twisted it and said, God, there's no way God could be unjust in doing it. First of all, he created you. Secondly, he puts you in a perfect environment. He gave all of these blessings. And yet Satan wants to tell us, yeah, but is he good? Because he, he didn't let you eat from the one tree. And yet what they did is disobeyed him. They disobeyed him. Instead of reflecting God's image well and ruling well on the earth that he gave him, they failed on both accounts. Rejected, ate the food from the one tree that God said not to, and instead of building out God's kingdom, began attempting to build their own and remove the king. Now, we can see this every day in our world as well. We see worshiping other things above God. Uh, We see anger, lying, disobedience to parents, wanting other people's things, gossip, slander, lust, hoarding money, overworking, underworking, suffering. We see all of these different, I could go on and on, all of these different things that just make our world seem like this is not the way it was supposed to be. This is not the way it was supposed to be. But we're not just uh, sitting and pointing our finger all out at the world, I mean, I, I look at myself and I think, I see a, a lot of these things in me, like every day. And we think, I see these things in my own heart. I have failed the purpose for which God has made me. And because of that, we are separated, separated from God in our relationship because we failed it. But thankfully, that's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus came. He came to perfectly reflect the image of God. He came to perfectly rule well, taking dominion over sin, over suffering, and over Satan. And he will be fruitful and multiply citizens of his kingdom all throughout this world as he has done today for the last 2,000 years. There are people on every continent that are part of the kingdom of Christ. How did he do this? He came and he lived a perfect life for you and for me. He came and he died on a cross in our place. And he came back from the grave so that every single time that someone believes in him, they receive forgiveness of sins and are transferred into the kingdom of Christ as followers of Christ. And over time, as we are just transformed and transformed by the Holy Spirit working in us, by the power of God living within us, we begin looking more and more like the king in whose image we were already made. Though we were made in his image, 
and we just tarnished it. He saves us, transforms us, restores us so that we reflect a clear image of him, not a tarnished image of him. As I mentioned earlier, I was driving with a windshield that was uh, blocked. Thankfully, I was able to see through it enough to drive. But what happened was the ice melted off and the windshield, and I was able to see clearly without any uh, problems. And maybe today God is telling you that you have been driving with a blocked windshield. You may have been trying to look at any type of thing inside or around you, to find your identity and your purpose when God is saying, look at me. Look at me. Look at the couple of sentences in the beginning of this book that I've given you. Look at the person who made you in his image. We are tarnished reflections. But because of Jesus, we can be repaired. Let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you uh, for this, uh, these few verses that just tell us how you made us and what purpose you have for us. And Lord, we just are 